irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'd love for you to reach out to me. There are several ways. You you can access me through my LA Talk Radio show page at latalkradio.com, All Things Therapy. There's a link to my website, which is NOLA Therapy the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. And as my listener, I would love to know who you would like to have me interview, topics you would like me to cover and explore, questions you might want me to ask uh, the appropriate guest, and what you think of my show. And it would be awesomely helpful for you to go to iTunes and Google Play, subscribe to All Things Therapy, and rate my show to help my metrics so I can just be out there in front of more people. And um, you can listen to archived episodes through nolatherapy.com, the link. You can schedule sessions with me, phone, Skype, FaceTime, in person, in both Los Angeles and New Orleans. And I invite you and ask you to consider supporting my show through the crowdfunding campaign I have with patreon.com. They're an awesome platform that help podcasters like me, authors and artists and creatives fund what we love to do. The direct link is patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash all things therapy. That's all one word. So my guest today is really exciting for me to be speaking with in just moments. We met in Los Angeles through a mutual friend, Ben Decker, and she has published this really incredible book that's called Eating with Intention, Recipes and Meditations for a Life that Lights You Up. And this is more than a yummy vegan cookbook. She offers meditations and mantras, which are statements of affirmation that match each recipe. And in addition, she talks a lot in her book about her own personal journey of wellness and helping us to connect and love our bodies through food. And I don't know a single person that hasn't had an issue around food, around their body, around acceptance, around hatred, around just this tenuous balance of this this shell that we inhibit with our personality and our soul. And Cassandra has a lot of things to offer through her book and her online community called Appreciate, A-P-R-E-C-I-T-Y.com. You may have seen her on ABC's The Taste. She teaches women how to create rituals using food and meditation, incorporating self-care to create their success. And she is the Mindful Cook Show host of Eat With Intention TV. She also has a YouTube channel channel under her name, Cassandra Bodzak, that we're going to talk about. Welcome, Cassandra. Thanks for having me, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here. You're welcome for me as well. Where do you want to start today? Anywhere. I guess I would be curious as to, you know, what has, I think one of the important things I like to talk about, maybe you can, I'll interview you for a hot second. Sure. Um, And where do you think your relationship with your body has really been transformative for other areas of your life? Okay, that's a great question, and and that was coming up for me as I was reading your book, Eat With Intention. Just my own journey in my body has been one, um, even being a therapist for 20 years, I have struggled with self-hatred, self-loathing, feeling not good enough. A lot of things I resonated with that, that you spoke about in the book around just areas of the of my body that I wish were different and it just generates so much stress internal stress that I finally came to a point in just the last few years and periodically it crops up where it's like okay I want to make peace with this body that I'm in 
because it gets me around. I can walk. I have full functioning and ability. And I shifted to appreciating what my body does effortlessly and just stopped beating it up. And I feel like like literally my body became happy and more connected to me, to my mind. And um, it's such a relationship. I think the relationship we have to our bodies is powerful. And I've been really working on that directly to just love the body I'm in. Send the areas even I might criticize. I send that area love. I send my stomach love. I send my digestive system love. And I just ask for there to be peace and for me to be more gentle with my body. So what what does that feel like to you to hear me say? Yeah, I I think a lot of women resonate with that. I certainly do. And that's, you know, one of the things I have found um, along my journey, having this book out for like a year and a half now. And uh, even before the book was out, it was one of the primary things I've been talking about on my blog for years, because. I really do believe that as women, we do, like you mentioned in the start of the show, like we all have complicated relationships with our body. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, growing up, I never had, well, I was never diagnosed as, with someone that had an eating disorder. And I feel like there's millions of women who maybe don't have what, you know, like what someone might call anorexia or what someone might call bulimia, but they have disordered behaviors and they have what I just like to call a dodgy relationship with their body. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think we need to pay just as much attention to it. Um, because our body, one, it's our, it's our partner for this lifetime, Right. Like, we, like, whether you like it or not, like, this is, like, your forever partner. It was with you, it is. you when you came into this world. It'll be with you when you go out, right? Like, you, the whole spectrum you have to save with your body. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's, like, I really feel that as women, our relationship with our body really informs how we move throughout the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you seen that new movie by Amy Schumer, The I Feel Pretty Movie, Lisa? I have not. Okay, well, for anyone that's listening that's kind of resonating with this and what we're chatting about today, um, and if you enjoy Amy Schumer's comedy, <laughs> I would I do. recommend <laughs> I would okay. recommend it. Um, I watched an interview with Oprah and Amy, and they were talking about the messages around body image. Um, in this movie and the importance of having a positive body image and I really I went to see it mostly I love I you know I love funny movies but I went to see it really because I had to know like what what is it (laughs) what are they saying yeah Um, and it was really you know just to give like the spark notes of it um, which I think you could probably get in like the trailer so I don't think this is a spoiler alert yeah but one of the things is that, so she kind of, you know, she does this thing and Amy Schumer at some point gets into this, like really thinks that she has this, like, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a weird topic to say, but it's almost like she, like, you never see the body that she thinks she has, but whatever the body that would make, that makes her feel like confident and sexy and like, you know, just like that, that body, I think all of us have like kind of a different feeling and vision that comes with that but it's like that body that just makes you feel like you know you want to wear your favorite dress you want to walk into that room like you want to like for me it's usually like I'm always like wearing like a workout outfit when I see that body yes (laughs) Um, me too right and like that body that feels like healthy and fit and just like powerful Powerful. you're like confident Mm -hmm. in um and you really see in the movie how it completely changes how she interacts with every part of her life. And I just loved that they showed that because I feel like that has been such a big part of what I try to teach some of the women that I work with and what I try to, you know, um, what I, the journey that I've been on as well, where yes. how we feel in our body if we feel gross in our body and I'm sure like, especially as a woman, you can think of at least like 
a couple of times a month that you don't feel <laughs> you're <sexiest. Right. laughs> and like if you just think even on those days how it shifts the way you present yourself the way you show up I mean based on nothing like no external factors at all the day that like you know, you wake up and you're like, I don't know why, but I feel feeling particularly powerful and sexy and like good today, energized today. You go to the grocery store and, you know, you know, maybe like a cute guy like says hi to you or like, or you just like, or you end up like going into that meeting with more confidence and, and, and you land whatever the, the pitch was. Right. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that that comes from, it's not from, losing a certain amount of weight or looking a certain way or anything like that, it comes from our relationship with our body. It does. And, you know, so, so I really think that is one of the most important things, a very foundational thing that we should all be striving toward peace with. So we should all be, you know, I, I've heard some other kind of uh, people that talk in like the body acceptance space about saying how like loving your body is like an unrealistic goal. And I think that's BS personally. I think it's mm-hmm. very much possible to love your body. Um, and I'm someone that has totally hated my body <laughs> in my younger years. Yeah. But when you connect to it, I won't say that it's not like a 24, seven, 365 every day you wake up, you love your body, you go throughout the whole day, you love your body. <laughs> but, but if you work for it and if you, if you, if you make it a priority in your life, then, um, then there are ways to keep coming back to that. There are ways to rekindle that romance, so to speak. And what I hear you saying that's resonating with me. And I think with, some of our listeners is that every day is, is I think it's a changing relationship with our body every day and and throughout our given day that we're in, that we can wake up, you know, feeling one way about our bodies. And, And I think that inner self dialogue that you talk about in your work is really important to really talk to our bodies and, and kind of listen in to tune in, um, to hear what's going on. Like, cause I, I think, I know for myself every day, like it kind of changes how I'm feeling about myself and my body. Like there's kind of a standard, okay, I'm healthy. I I really appreciate that. But just the nuances, like if something's not going quite as I'd like it to, I might then turn self-critical towards my body. And I think since we're in our bodies, it's such an area that we can blame so immediately because we're always connected to it. And I wonder if you could speak to us about some about that, like- This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Yeah, so it's true. It's, you know especially, you know, this happens with everyone, but I work with women, so that's why I keep on hearing me say women. And I am a woman, a woman. <laughs> so I right. know that body really well. But especially with women, because we're, we're cyclical beings. Our bodies, our hormones, literally like each like week, we're shifting on a, a like, you know, on a chemical level mm-hmm. of how we feel that week and like how things are processing that week and what foods are going to feel good that week and what exercise is going to feel good that week. It, we really are constantly changing and you know not to exclude men men definitely are as well and there's a lot of things that have to do with our external environment you know depending on where you live and the weather outside the season depending on you know job stressors and relationship stressors how much sleep you got the night before if you worked out if you didn't work out if you know there are so many different factors I mean, if you were just on an airplane, like I could go on and on and on. <laughs> like yeah. our bodies are constantly shifting and changing and um, accommodating the different things in our life and our environment. So it's so important to make it a daily practice, like a daily practice of checking in with yourself. And I would even say multiple times a day, like one of the mm-hmm. exercises that I have um my clients do is do a food mood journal and 
you know, the food mood journal literally just gets them. It's not so much about writing down what they're eating, even though I make them do that. It's through the process of writing down what they're eating, writing down how they're feeling before they eat and how they feel after they eat, that they're actually getting to that place where they're taking a minute before they put anything in their body or before they make that choice for lunch to like sit with their body and check in and Mm -hmm. actually ask what feels good today? Because, you know, there are some times when I check in with myself and I'm like feeling like a little, you know, I'm feeling a little snacky or I'm like, you know, I'm feeling just this morning. I was noticing I usually um, like to just have like tea or coffee in the morning and have a later, later um, breakfast. And okay. today I noticed I was particularly ravenous, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which doesn't usually happen for me. And I checked in with myself and, you know, what, what I found my body wanted was actually just like a 20 minute nap. It really just wanted like a 20 minute nap. It didn't feel like you got enough sleep. <laughs> and, Beautiful. Right. And that 20 minute nap was better than like going for a donut or going for a big or going for some sort of like quick thing to try to, you know, even if it's like a a healthy quick thing, right. It's, it's still checking in with your body and saying, well, what does it really want? And honoring that some days I might check in with my body and my body, you know, may just be like, you know what we we, like, we want like an apple or we want some almond butter, you know? Um, Yes. But, but honoring what it wants today. And, and I think that that's such an important process that when we're doing uh, that food mood journal process with my clients, what most of them figure out is that we all have autopilot behaviors around food and our body. And regardless of whether your autopilot behaviors are healthy or unhealthy. I mean, obviously, it's like slightly better if they're on the healthy side. Right. It's it's more so getting off autopilot and actually checking in with your body. I had a, a recent female client that she decided like on her way home from work, she has a long commute home from work, and she wasn't feeling good about eating so late by the time she got home and cooked and everything. So she found this awesome smoothie place right outside her office. She eats a big lunch and she was grab like a green smoothie on her way home. And so you might like look at that and be like, wow, that's super healthy. Um, and she was doing it every single day. She just kind of made it a routine. It was easy. It made sense. And, you know, after a couple of weeks of this, she started noticing, wow, like I feel awful before mm. bed. Like I'm really bloated. Like I actually don't feel good <laughs> doing this. When they started like, I started asking her to pay attention to what her body actually wanted. And she was like, you know what? My body has actually never wanted smoothies. <laughs> wow. wow. Right? Yeah. Right? And I love that. I, those examples happen all the time with my clients. Um, and especially because a lot of times by the time people come to me, like most of their behaviors are pretty healthy. But there's a difference between having like generally healthy behaviors and having behaviors that genuinely nourish and take care of your specific body. And, um, and because your specific body's needs and preferences and to give ourselves yeah. permission like you did this morning to take that nap that your body said it needed and your client to, to stop getting that smoothie that her body never wanted in the first place. Right? I feel like... Our bodies are so smart that oftentimes are like are not wanting something. If you're like, there's a reason. Let I would say like a as a gross generalization, most people like when I was living in New York during the winter when it's cold, mm. most people don't drink smoothies or don't want smoothies. I know I I absolutely cannot drink a smoothie when it's cold out. Yeah, <laughs> and. And that kind of, why is that? Well, because it's actually not natural to drink a smoothie when it's cold out, right? <laughs> when it's <laughs> like, when it's natural to drink a smoothie when it's like 80 in LA, when you're in like Costa Rica, you know, um, your body actually metabolizes the sugar and the fruits and you want that, you want that in certain environments and certain seasons. 
And I think there are a lot of examples of that. I think that's just one that I think everybody can kind of connect to. But when you think about things like that, it's like there's a reason because your body is going to body wants wants different things in different seasons because it has a different bag of stressors that it's working with and a different bag of, you know, environmental factors it's working with. And if we actually just tune into it and ask and trust, you know, trust that even though so-and-so is, you know, on Dr. Oz telling you you need to drink a banana smoothie three times a day, if you mm-hmm. think of the concept of drinking a banana smoothie three times a day and you're like, that sounds awful, that sounds too sugary, that sounds too cold, that doesn't feel good, your body is simply saying no to that, right? Yes. It doesn't mean that whatever it is is bad. It could be, it could be the perfect thing for someone. But if your body is saying no, it's good to honor that now. You know, even before coming on the show with you, this afternoon, I, I like to go for a jog before I do my show to kind of clear my head, just be outside. And my body, I, I went outside, I started to jog maybe two minutes, and my body just stopped me and was like, I don't want to jog. Like, you're going to um, like hurt something if you keep pushing me. So I just took a walk. It was maybe a 15, 20-minute walk. Not at all what my plan was to go have this vigorous run and sweat and then, mm-hmm. you know, like cross off my list that I worked out today that my body was – and I've been learning to listen. And like every day, what do you want to do for exercise? Even as I walk in the gym, I'm like, body, what do you want to do? And I let literally my body walk to a machine. And just do that machine. And if it starts to feel uncomfortable, I'll stop and move to another machine. And it's it's put some energy back in my fitness routine that it's not so um, just the same old boring thing every day, that there's some life in it. And and so I just offer to listeners that there's so much truth in, in listening to what your body needs and wants to take care of itself. My question to you, Cassandra, is what about for the person that their body might want things that are bad for it? And because I've been in that place Mm. in the past, you know, the body might want something that's unhealthy repetitively. How do you help people with that? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked it. Um, So when the body, when the body is craving things, um, it it is asking for something. But what, what kind of like where the switch gets discombobulated in that situation is that oftentimes, we are actually misinterpreting the message it's sending, right? So, yeah. and also, we also have autopilots around that. So, I'll give you two different examples of the, the like two common kind of cases that I see a lot. Um, one, so, like, again, back to my New York City days, um, yeah. I went through this phase where I used to live right in the East Village, right by the French fry place called Palm Frites. It's like this famous French fry place in New York and they're like Belgian style French fries. Wow. Literally like if, if I could have like <laughs> my like my like kind of like treat food, French fries are like my favorite thing. Okay. And so I went through a phase where I noticed I was lit- I was like really aggressively craving these French fries. And I was craving these French fries so, and I mean, I was living, you know, living in New York City, as you probably know, living in New Orleans too. Like, there's amazing food about. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> New York like, has fantastic food as well. So, it, so there's like, there's like food everywhere, like, and all sorts of different good food. So it's interesting, I, you know, I've all the whole city source of yummy, decadent food. I'm just craving these French fries repeatedly. And I started eating them. I was like, okay, I don't know what it is, but I started eating these French fries. I literally went almost like an entire week eating these French fries for dinner. <laughs> so embarrassing. This was years ago. Yeah. But I, but so I had like a mini intervention with myself because, um, you know, I was already like on this path doing this work and I was like, what is going on? Like, and here's the thing too. I would eat the French fries and I, it would actually feel good. Like it would feel yeah. like it was like soothing some sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I noticed, and so in that particular case, I tuned in and I was like, oh, okay, Cass, you're looking, it's the middle of the winter in New York City. Like you're wanting more like grounded, earthy, like, you know, in general, I eat pretty light. Like I love having like salads, lots of vegetables, you know, I, I don't eat meat. Um, 
So I, I eat pretty light and I think my body was really craving the grounding. So when I tuned in and I took that moment and I really sat with my body, I was like, you know, my body does want root vegetables. My body wants uh. potatoes. My body, my body really wanted potatoes. Um, and it probably also wanted carrots and squash and like all different kinds of or beets, you know, like rooted vegetables that are really like hearty and nourishing. But because my only frame of reference for getting like my biggest frame of reference for getting potatoes mm-hmm. was French fries. I wasn't like someone that made a baked potato. I wasn't even someone that like, you know, like, you know, roasted a ton of root vegetables on a regular basis. And so the next week I started experimenting and I was like, you know, what if for dinner I make something and whatever I make has like a nice like portion of either sweet potato or even regular potato. I would like get all like the mixed little like tiny little potatoes and roast them. And I'd make Mm -hmm. um, my own little dipping sauces and stuff. And I started getting creative with like healthier versions of the same um, the same principle of what I wanted. And it also, it felt really good and it felt nourishing. And so I think that's, that's the first kind of example where it's like, we actually are craving something. Um, but sometimes the manner in which we're getting that is through the lens of what we know right now. Right. So if you feel like you're craving something heavy and comforting, right. Maybe you're like, wow, I'm really craving like mac and cheese, right? Or I'm craving mashed potatoes or I'm craving whatever it is for you that that's like comforting. Well, you know, or, you know, there, there's a difference between comforting and grounding, right? So grounding might be something that's heavier, something nourishing. Your body might be in a phase where it wants something a little bit more, a um, little bit, um, more sustenance, heavier. Uh, oftentimes that happens during the winter. Um, but, but finding healthy alternatives to still accomplish that, that same outcome. And then, and then the second half of it is when it's actually an emotional craving that mm-hmm. you're soothing with food. And this happens literally the top, like the most common one I always see. I work with these like I work with incredible, like badass, successful women, and yeah. almost every single woman I've worked with has the chocolate before bed craving. <laughs> okay. And especially if they're single, mostly if they're single. Um, and but but not but sometimes not even. And the thing yeah. is, oftentimes if you're someone that really craves dessert or you crave chocolate. Or you're like, you can't live without your like piece, even if it's dark chocolate before bed. Oftentimes that's us actually just really craving like sweetness to our That's what I was thinking. Yeah, sweetness towards ourselves, we affection. Mm-hmm. And so in our head, once again, our head gets that craving for sweetness. And if we don't have self-care practices or rituals, that provide that same level of sweetness or comfort or relaxation, then the easiest way we know how to get it is through the cupcake or through the chocolate or through the ice cream. But if we can recognize that we actually are, like we're, we're craving something, but we're not actually craving food. And you, oftentimes if you, you know, find something that, if you tend to crave sweets after a long work day, then sometimes booking yourself a manicure or booking yourself a little massage after work, booking yourself even like a tea date with a girlfriend, mm-hmm. booking yourself, um, you know, even even making it a habit. I also do the walk. I do the walk outside thing. For me, that's super nourishing. I have a yeah. lot of. Um, back-to-back calls, just like getting outside for 15 minutes and like soaking in the sunshine, listening to a fun song in my earbuds. Like it's just a little, little treat. Um, Instead of reaching for a cookie, um, it provides you with what you're actually looking for, which is a break, right? (laughs) It is. And And, and I'm so (laughs) resonating with what you're 
sharing with our listeners around the particular kind of food you crave is a clue in to what you might need emotionally and physically, and whether it's sweet, whether it's savory, um, and portion size, you know, when you notice you might be eating though you're full and you might lapse into like almost like a trance state when you're emotionally eating and, um, and just inquiring more of yourself about, hey, like what's going on right now? What is, what is my deepest need right now beyond and underneath this, this food? And then to listen. Totally. And, you know, when you're in those, um, I'm glad that you brought up when you start eating more than you need. There, again, that's something that on one hand can be as simple as, well, am I being mindful when I'm eating? Am I eating not on my cell phone? Am I not like watching Netflix while I'm eating? You know, the the thing about watching TV or being on your cell phone or, or doing really anything else but being with your food when you're eating is that you actually, one, you're not enjoying your food as much. You're not being present with it. So how can you, you can make this beautiful dinner and before you know it, like, you know, you focus completely on your TV show and your plate's empty and you don't even remember eating the food. Um, and that's a, like, that's part of it, why we go up for more and more and more because we're not actually registering the food we're eating and we're not really enjoying it. Um, and then secondly, which I think you also kind of touched on there, is if that is something that's a pattern for you and that's totally not uncommon, especially if you're going through um, an emotional time, if you're eating to the point of kind of feeling like you're in a daze or feeling, you know, uh, sometimes I think people, and I've definitely done this before, so no, you know, no shame in the game. We all, we all have had moments of this where absolutely you eat so much where you literally like, you feel like you're going to fall asleep or you're like, you're almost like numb from being so full because all you can think about is how full you are. Right. And in those things, I, I recommend journaling about what, like, what are you trying not to feel right now? That's a good question because to ask. Yes. I often find that that's, what's happening is that there's something that you really don't want to look at. There is a feeling perhaps you're with, um, and it could be, you know, as simple as I'm just don't, I don't want to feel how stressed I actually am at my job. And it could be something much deeper than that. You know, I don't want to feel the grief I'm having over this, this person passing, or I don't want to feel the anxiety I'm feeling in this relationship. Um, but, but once again, if we can, if we can bring light to it, if we can get conscious about what we're doing, then it's a whole lot easier to say, okay, you know, wow, I, you know, maybe I did overeat my, my takeout tonight or whatnot. And then I journaled about what am I, you know, afraid of feeling right now? Cause I noticed that I was feeling like way too full and I, you know, then you can really look at it and you can sit with it and you can feel it because I think once you stop, you know, especially with that particular overeating quandary, if you start getting in the habit of facing your feelings, which is super uncomfortable, especially if you're not used to it. Um, and it's not always the funnest thing to do, obviously, but, but if you do it, then you can move through it so much faster. Cassandra, let's take a quick pause for a commercial break, and I'll be mm-hmm. right back with you about feelings we might be pushing away through through our eating patterns. Sounds great. This show today is brought to you by Audible. They offer over 180,000 book titles for you to choose from, and as my sponsor, they offer you a free month audiobook download of your choice along with a free month subscription. And one of the books that I have been listening to that I'm recommending today because it's reminding me of the conversation that I'm having with Cassandra Bodzak is the book by Gabrielle Bernstein called Judgment Detox. And she talks about detoxifying the judgments that we have towards ourselves. And I feel like this book really correlates to the topic today with detoxing the relationship we have with our physical body and to food. So if you want to check out that trial offer from Audible, you go to audibletrial.com forward slash all things therapy. 
Okay, Cassandra. So I like what you're saying about this because for me, and this is something I haven't really talked about openly. I've shared with a few friends, but I have a hard time keeping like popcorn and um, like even pita chips. So things that are relatively healthy, I have a hard time keeping those items in my house because I will binge eat them, like eat almost the whole box or a bag and of, like all of that salty savoriness. And I've had to stop and ask myself, like, what, like, what am I not trying to feel right now? Like, what is going on? Because it's, it's just kind of a just compulsion that I'm still working mm-hmm. on figuring out. And sometimes it has to do for me with maybe the way I restrict myself dietarily at times to eat clean and be healthy and also a need, I think, for more connection sometime. So it'll help if I just text a girlfriend and call and, and just talk to somebody like it kind of helps me break out of that pattern. So I'm sharing that. I feel a little vulnerable. Eek. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's just great. wondering kind of your thoughts about about that, because I'm sure someone great. listening does that, too. Oh, my God. I feel like so many people listening probably do it. It's so common. And, you know, part of my journey around that, and I I love that you brought up connection because connection is huge. Um, But also, I will say part of my journey in the beginning when I was really working through my own um, eating behaviors back in college and and even, you know, in my, you know, uh, my time living in New York, it's kind of a habit that now I do on autopilot that I started so many years ago. where for me, it's an act of self-love to not keep those things around the house. Yep. And so if you come into my kitchen on any given day, like you won't see, like there's like, there's nothing that um, (laughs) really I'd even be capable of doing something like that with. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I go home and my parents, uh, my parents have both of them, you know, kind of like, go back and forth of their weight and definitely have, you know, their own, their own relationship with food, but they always have, you know, they have donuts out, they have cookies out. There's like a jar of Percy's kisses. There's potato chips. There's like all this food, like just hang out on the, the, uh, like on the, the counter. Right. Yeah. And for me that like that, like it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, I would not, like, I don't feel like that sets you up for success, right? Mm-hmm, and I agree. so one of the, the mottos that I have with my people is know thyself and rig thyself accordingly. I <laughs> and like that. I truly believe that's an act of self-love. And so to me, even when I'm baking, if I'm baking cookies, and I love baking, if I'm baking cookies or brownies or donuts or whatever I'm making, I make all sorts of stuff. It doesn't mean I don't make them. But I, I'm conscious of it. So I know, okay, if I'm making some cookies, I'm going to make a, I'm going to know that, okay, well, you know, I'm going to see our mutual friend Ben the next day and I'm going to give him like a little bag. Yeah. Maybe yes. I'm going to go into, you know, I'm going to go to one of my neighbors and give them a little bag. You know, I'm intentional about it because I don't let them stay in the house. Because if they stay in the house, I will eat them all. And, you know, I'm not quite, I'm not, you know, where I used to be, where I used to literally, when I was in college, if I made a tray of cookies, I was eating the entire tray of cookies that night. Um, But even though at this point, like I could make a tray of cookies and have like one or two and like go to bed and it would be fine. It's still like now it's such a habit of mine because in those early years, I really couldn't do that. Like it was really, you know, what, what they would, consider kind of like a red light food for me mm-hmm. where that food was so triggering I could not just have one of it so I think it's really actually a very very loving thing to do to get honest with yourself and be like what are the things that cause me that like spur on those kinds of behaviors that I don't want because you know most people and I'm not saying this is I've definitely like, not a generalization, but I would say a lot of people would be less likely to binge on Brussels sprouts. Right. 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 Absolutely. Right. And if you do, it's, it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) But even so, if you do, then maybe that's something to notice. Yeah. I remember when I was in, um, 
when I was in New York, there used to be this kind of like tofu, like a pre-made, like, you know, pre-baked tofu thing you could get at Whole Foods in like a little takeaway container. Mm-hmm. And I used to get it just like throw on my salads and stuff like that. But I noticed that it became, it was like not actually, it was kind of a red light food for me because I couldn't keep it in the house. I would eat the whole, yeah. the whole thing of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we all might have different versions of that, but I, I really do believe it's an act of self-love to get really honest with yourself about what those foods are and create, create rules around them. So in my, one of my, one of my biggest things, um, when I was, you know, in like more of the thick of my disordered eating was around cookies. I, I mentioned that before and I would love, like I would love homemade fresh baked chocolate cookies. My mom used to make them growing up all the time and I cook really good cookies too. And I would make them and then I'd eat them all. And so one of the, you know, the self-loving things I did was one for the time period where I was healing that behavior. I didn't bake them unless I actually had like a specific event or something I had to bake them for. Mm -hmm. And then two, it wasn't about not ever having a cookie, right? But I found for me that it's actually a completely different situation if I decide to take a walk to like a cute cafe near me and I get my almond milk latte and I get a cookie and I can just have that one cookie and then walk home and I'm fine. Yes. Yes. And so, you're getting out, and, you're and, walking, you're being out in public. It's, it's kind of like a social event on your own to yeah, take yourself well, out. Yeah. So it's like, it's different. And here's the thing. There might be some people that couldn't do that, right? That that would make them want to go to another coffee shop and order another cookie. And so once again, it really does come down to like knowing yourself and knowing what works for you and what doesn't work for you but for me it felt better it wasn't because I also come from a restrictive background um I don't like to say foods are off limits right so I I, agree but I will give conditions like there are a lot of foods that I would eat you know out to dinner with friends or on a date or something like that that I won't eat in the house Mm -hmm. right that I won't eat even by myself on like out right yeah and and so I mean it's funny because it might sound to someone listening who's like hasn't really dove dove into their own you know relationship with food in their body they might feel like oh my god this this sounds like a lot of work but it's actually kind of like these parameters you set up that hope you feel so much more free (laughs) and supported because you're you're boundarying yourself with kind of safe, healthy, just having a, a, what's a different word for rules? Like a routine, like a guideline, a loving guideline yeah. for yourself on how to keep yourself feeling like you can be around food and not having to to run away from it or not go out to eat. You're just giving yourself some healthy guidelines to follow. Exactly. And this way it's like it's it's you're like, "Oh, okay, if you're thinking about wanting like pizza or whatever it is your thing is it's not like you're not like you know in that like dieting headspace of being like I can never have pizza like this is miserable and then before you know it you're like ordering a whole pizza and eating it yourself because you're just like you know eff it (laughs) yeah you can be like oh you know what I'm going out with my girlfriend this Friday why don't I text her and see if she wants to try out that new pizza place with me Right. Mm-hmm. And now it's like you're going to be you're going to be there. You're going to be there present with your girlfriend. You're going to share maybe a pizza or whatever it is. You're going to be at a restaurant. So you're you know, you're ordering like a normal portion of it. You're not going to order. There's something about actually being out and with other people that also really helps you keep in check with that. It does. Um, well, still fulfilling that 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 desire or craving or you know, um, not feeling like you're restricted or, you know, limiting yourself. So I really am a big, big fan of doing that, of really getting to know yourself, getting to know what things trigger you and creating really safe, loving guidelines so that you, you can have, you know, more ease and success with it on a day-to-day basis. 
You know, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier at the very beginning that I, I think is important to highlight for our listeners, and I'd love for you to weigh in on it. Is um, so my paraphrase in the beginning of the show talking about that we tend to think body a relationship to one's body is is a women's issue, and I say that in air quotes, but it's it's a human issue, and there are men that struggle just as much with the relationship to their bodies and food as women do. And as an example, the men that I know personally and that I've worked with, a lot of times. Um, it has to do with body dysmorphic disorder. And I think a lot of us look at our body in the mirror and we see it differently from what it really is. We see it being larger, being less in shape. And for a lot of athletes, even a lot of healthy people and men in particular have body dysmorphic disorder around their bodies. And, you know, with exercising to balance out what you might have eaten and these rules that we make for ourselves, which I have struggled with and still continue to work through. Like if I eat uh, an unhealthy meal, then tomorrow I have to go run three miles to make up for that. And this bargaining that we do. And I think that men do struggle with that more than is spoken about. And I'm curious your thoughts on this topic. Oh my gosh. Yes. I actually, yeah, I have a a few men in my life um, that that struggle with it. And I think, yeah, I also think just what we talked about too, that I actually, I know a lot of men that struggle with emotional eating and it's, it's also, again, just to touch back on that connection point that you hit too. Um, even though obviously both men and women can, you know, struggle with these issues. And I think all of us on some different level kind of dance in and out of them usually, um, where, Men, if you think about it, women, if anything, we probably have more of an inclination if we're like feeling something to pick up the phone, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably like a little bit more like it's just kind of how you grow up. You call a girlfriend if you're upset, you know, you call your mom, whatever it is, right? Where men, I also see that being a huge source of their emotional eating and sometimes binging is that they kind of get home or they're like whatever they're feeling and they actually a lot of times don't have the same tools to deal with their feelings that women do um mm-hmm. and they might not have they might not feel um at least in some of the cases I've seen they may not feel like they have um you know healthy or comfortable ways to express their emotions you know um yeah. and And even so, I do think that connection point is important to circle back on, too, because a lot of the times, absolutely, if you're in one of those spaces, to give a a friend a call and to just talk to them. And here's the, you know, the great thing, too, is that if you don't know, if you can't put words to what you're feeling or if maybe you don't even know if you want to get into it with this particular person you happen to have on the phone, yeah. you can simply call and ask the other person how they're doing yes. and how their day is and just having that connection with them. And I honestly, sometimes I've seen it in some of the people I've worked with, um, even just being in service to them breaks the, breaks the, the compulsion. Absolutely. And creates that connection and that love and that comfort that, that, you know, we were trying to find through the food. Um, so I do think that's a massive tool. And if this is something that you struggle with, um, if you can have, you know, even talk to a couple of close friends. And if you feel comfortable, it'd be a great thing to share with them and be like, hey, do you mind if I'm like feeling that way, if I just give you a call? And we don't even have to talk about, like, you know, just talk about whatever. Just talk about exactly. the last thing you watched on TV, you know. Um, and instilling some buddies is really helpful. And even if you don't have formal buddies, you know, I think all of us have probably, like, a list longer than we'd care to imagine of people we owe phone calls to. <laughs> um, yeah. So even, like, you know, calling that aunt and, like, just being like, hey, we haven't talked in a while. I just wanted to say hi and see how you're doing. Like, you know, maybe have a little list handy of people that you can call um, in that space. And, Cassandra, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump yeah. in. 
because I don't want our show to end without you giving listeners how they can reach you, how they can subscribe to your Apricity online community. We have a couple minutes left. Can you let people know how they can reach out and get more information about your work? Absolutely. So you can follow me on Instagram at Cassandra Bodzak. Um, it's just my name. My website is also my name, Cassandra Bodzak. Um, you can find out more about the services I offer. If, you know, the kind of things we were talking about in today in today's show really resonate with you and you want to really tackle them one-on-one, I do do that work. And you can either email me directly at my name, Cassandra Bodzak, at gmail.com or through my website. Um, and I'm happy to explore that further with you, as well as my book, Eat With Intention, is available at bookstores everywhere and on Amazon, of course. And, um, and Appreciate. Appreciate is my online spiritual gym membership. So it's a weekly uh, workshop with me covering all different topics. Uh, we do the new moons, the full moons, everything from body wisdom, meditations, you name it, you can learn more about that at appreciate.com. So that's A-P-R-E-C-I-T-Y.com. It was so nice chatting with you, Lisa. Yes, Cassandra. And I just want to let listeners know this cookbook is beautiful, Eat With Intention. It's a hardcover book. The recipes are easy to follow. There are photos so you can see how the end product looks. And I just love the meditation, like the body love meditation. I'm looking at the Kundalini mantra for self-esteem, that there's so much meaning. And this book is just so thoughtfully done. And I'm just really blown away by all that you do. And just really happy to know you, Cassandra. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. I hope you have a great day. You too. (laughs) Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, my love. Okay. Bye-bye. That concludes our show for today. I was with Cassandra Bodzak of CassandraBodzak.com, eating Eat With Intention, beautiful, beautiful vegan cookbook with mantras and affirmations in it. I hope everyone has a good week coming up and listen back in next week. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.